Hello and welcome. I'm Seth. I'm player one and I'm your heavyweight, hammer-wielding penguin, ready to smash your hopes and dreams. And I'm your shirtless surfer, Shulk, player two, Ben Level. And welcome to Player One Bias. So for our first episode, I think it'd be pretty awesome to kick it off with uh, one of the first video games that I personally have ever played, um, and is a video game series that has lasted for an extremely long period of time, uh, spanning you know generations and decades. It's been it's been a really interesting experience to play and watch it as it goes through. Um, so talking about Super Smash Brothers, uh, you know, game started started in the 1990s and uh, is still even even being played today on the professional scene. Yeah, I think uh, both of us played it today, in fact, so very much still relevant. So I think it'd be, it'd be good to start off kind of with a little intro uh, on how Super Smash Bros. was created, a little bit of history, that way we can all kind of understand where it came from and, and, and kind of what it means today. Um, so it was, it was produced by a company called HAL Laboratories uh, in conjunction with Nintendo. Um, HAL Laboratories was founded uh, in February of 1980. Uh, they were first putting out games for the MSX, Commodore, uh, and they even put out a few on the Nintendo system, the Famicom, family computer system. Um, HAL Laboratories uh, started to go into financial troubles when they were producing games for the Famicom. And is, that, Nintendo... uh, is that the precursor for the NES, or was that the it NES is. in Japan? Yeah, okay. precursor yeah, yeah. for the NES. It was the first compact disc gaming system. That's uh, right. So CD gaming, this was pretty pretty crazy. They hit some financial troubles when they were producing games for the Famicom, uh, and Nintendo said that they would uh, pair with them, help pull them out, give them funding and games that they needed if they made their employee Satoru Iwata president. And so this is kind of the first introduction that we're seeing of uh, one of our main creators of Smash Bros., um, coming in and, and, and making games for HAL Laboratories uh, and being their president. And I'm digging through your research here. And is, it, is this true? Uh, HAL was chosen because that just puts them one letter ahead of IBM in the name? Yep. yep. They, uh, <laughs> they, they revealed that not, not very early on in their history, but sure. uh, in mid-2000s in an interview, um, I believe it was Iwata, uh, stated that they named their company HAL uh, because each letter is one letter in front of the alphabet of IBM. Yeah, I, back in the day, IBM was this powerhouse company. Um, and now I feel like they're kind of, they just make hardware. Uh, no no <laughs> consumer knows about what IBM makes anymore. Right, right. Um, they're kind of like a, a cloud, like no one, no one knows what you are, mystery company. Exactly. That was actually kind of why they why they mentioned that their name uh, was like that. Back then, IBM was so powerful, and another company right. related their name to IBM, so they're like, oh, we did too. Right, exactly. That was You kind of were aspiring to be IBM back in uh, 1980 or whatever. Uh, right, right. Maybe not so much anymore, but... Yeah. So Hal's still up alive and kicking. Absolutely. Uh, they're most well-known for producing the Kirby games, uh, Earthbound, which we all know, Pit, Kid Icarus, uh, and Super Smash Bros. They're essentially just a second-party company, really. They, they produce games entirely for Nintendo. Um, no, no other 
consoles or PC or anything like that. Um, so they do kind of have an interesting, interesting function there. Yeah, they're like a Nintendo-specific contractor. Absolutely. So I guess we'll continue on the history with Satoru Iwata. Uh, mentioned him becoming president for Nintendo. Uh, but he, he was born in Sapporo, Japan, uh, and he had a lifelong interest in developing video games. Um, he attended the Tokyo Institute of Technology and majored in computer science. Uh, and while he was at the university in 1980, he ended up joining HAL Laboratories. Um, like I mentioned earlier, uh, when Hal was nearing bankruptcy, he was uh, appointed the president um, at Nintendo's assistance in 1993. Um, and he, he was main, contribu- main contributions to Hal uh, were on the Earthbound and Kirby series. Earthbound's got a, a, a crazy following still. Absolutely. Uh, it's I've, a massive cult game. Yeah, I've got a, a college friend who plays it like religiously. Like he'll go through and replay it every couple years or so, and he gets he, he's been super excited about this. Uh, it's like mo- a fan made version of you know like Mother Three or something like that. It's huh. supposed to be like anyway. Yeah, it's it's uh, Earthbound has got its like really serious core group of fans still. Yeah, well, impressive. I've never played the game. Definitely, definitely caught the edges of that. You know been been aware of it it's uh uh definitely a unique game and and pit obviously is carried on for a long time and even into smash bros pretty consistently uh yeah so so ness i think is from uh earthbound and pits kid Icarus, right right. that's right that's right which yeah ness was so he was starting things off in the very first smash brothers correct right so yeah which i guess makes sense all the all the hal laboratory characters you know right and Lucas popping in as well. Uh, so Iwata joined Nintendo in 2000, uh, and after the success that Nintendo was seeing under him at his new position, uh, he ended up being promoted to president in 2002, uh, which was a big jump. And I'm sure most people have some sort of fond memory of Iwata, at, you know, E3 or whatever, um, talking about some game. Or uh, he was definitely a beloved president. Um, he helped to develop the DS and the Wii, uh, and kind of one of his main things that he always tried to emphasize was making games for all demographics. He wasn't trying to hit you know, the competitive gamer or the casual gamer. He was trying to kind of bring every, everyone together, and I think Smash Bros. You know, really hits on that. It definitely falls into what he was trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, even though it's this really competitive, it's got this really competitive scene, uh, it's still probably most often played with like eight people and items turned on, like you know, at parties, and everyone's using like half a switch controller. And yeah, um, absolutely. They they've definitely they've definitely you know tried to make their games that way. And uh, despite you know Nintendo and and the creators uh, always trying to in in a sense in a very real sense quash the competitive scene. Sure. Um, the fact that it's still around, I think, kind of attributes itself to what they were trying to do, that they were trying to make it for all demographics. So even though they were trying to get rid of the competitive scene, I think the game just natu- naturally lends itself to that. Yeah, definitely. So uh, unfortunately, Satoru Iwata did die in 2015 uh, at the age of 55, I believe, due to some health complications. Um, and that was a, 
a fairly sad moment for most Smash players and Nintendo in general and all Nintendo fans, uh, as he was definitely a beloved president and did did some pretty great stuff for the company. So I guess we can move on to Masahiro Sakurai, uh, one of the other main creators, uh, and definitely attributed to be the, the the creative mind behind Smash Bros. Um, so he began to work for HAL Laboratory uh, at the age of 19 in 1989, uh, where he created Kirby. Uh, so Sakurai is is the main mind behind Kirby. Um, he directed his first title, uh, which was called Kirby's Dreamland, uh, in 1992. Uh, Have you seen, uh, there's that picture floating around the internet, I think, where like the original Kirby Dreamland team, like they all drew Kirby. Uh, and there's like a picture of them all holding up their drawing, and it, it's funny because you can really clearly see like who is the artist for the game, and then who was like, like the coder, right, or who like composed <laughs> the music or whatever. Because some of them yeah. look really good, and some of them are like, well, that that is a circle with eyes, right, right, um, right. That's that's pretty great. Uh, so in 2003, Sakurai ended up leaving HAL, uh, stating that he was tired of the sequel pushing. Uh, and the environment at HAL, uh, he, he really attributed the fact that like whenever he would put out a game, uh, people would always be asking, okay, when's the sequel coming out? Sure. Um, so he was he, he was wanting to kind of strike out on his own and, and take what he had been making uh, and, and make it his own and not have to be at some place where he was being forced to put out work every year, year and a half, two years. Um, and so for this, he created uh, Sora Limited, uh, in 2005, uh, and this is the, the I guess, third-party company, uh, which he continues to work on Smash Bros. and all his other related titles uh, for Nintendo. Uh, so moving in... just There's one thing I wanted to add real quick. Um, so he's obviously been a pretty big influence on the development of Smash Bros. Um, his wife, as well, also has a pretty big hand in the Smash Brothers games. Supposedly she's like the head designer behind all the menus and the UI on Smash. That's like yeah. that's her specialty. Absolutely. Um, and I gotta admit, I like the Smash menus. Like they're snappy. I think it's been and I think some of the the like hitting start uh, and then being able to use, you know, the series of buttons, LRA to cancel out, uh, stuff like that I think is kinda unique. Uh, yeah, definitely. Adds, adds a little bit of flair to it. So moving into kind of the beginning of Smash Bros, um, Sakurai and Iwata uh, met at HAL Laboratories, uh, and they were working together there for a while. Um, and in 1998, um, Sakurai kind of came up with the idea uh, to put a fighting game on the N64. Um, so the N64 had no fighting games, uh, which for a console... Uh, meant you didn't have a lot of that hardcore uh, competitive following because that's mostly fighting games uh, filled that role. Uh, yeah, and yeah, sure. In, Sorry, go ahead. And the N64 had a joystick, which was you know pretty unique and different uh, compared to most of the analog stuff that was being used for fighting games. Um, so they started out with a prototype called uh, Dragon King, the fighting game. Uh, I, I'm not going to try to pronounce the Japanese uh, because I know I would butcher sure, it terribly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what's kind of interesting about the name, uh, Dragon King in Japanese is Ryu. Uh, and it's a pun on the neighborhood that HAL Laboratory uh, was 
was located in. Ryu is the neighborhood and also means Dragon King. So their game is basically like our neighborhood, the fighting game. Huh. They're, they're fighting to protect their hood. Yeah. Yeah. It's... So this, this really only existed um, as a prototype, uh, but it, it had a bunch of unique mechanics that we would end up seeing in Smash. Um, it, it made it fairly different from most of the fighting games that were out at the time, uh, which lent itself to being uh, kind of what they wanted, a game for all demographics. Four people could play it, which usually it was a two-on-two, uh, so it did appeal to more people. Um, and so they ended up working on it kind of in their spare time. It was, it was a prototype. It was something that you know they'd work on on weekends when they had time to uh, because it was something that they wanted but wasn't really being pushed by Hal. Yeah, it wasn't so, a sequel, right? Yeah, yeah. And so they, they kind of, as they were going through, kind of figured, oh, our characters, uh, not that exciting. You know, what appeals is this really going to have to people? Uh, you know, what, what are we going to have to do to change it? So they, they went to Nintendo and asked to use Nintendo's characters uh, to be able to, to, to put them in their game, to draw some appeal and, be, you know, get people to be interested in their game uh, for something just outside of mechanics. Um, and Nintendo said no. They were like, oh, no, we can't have your characters being in, our, in, in some game. Uh, we're not a fighting game company. You know, we don't, we don't do that kind of stuff. Uh, but what uh, Iwata and Sakurai did was they went ahead and used the characters anyway. Of course. So they built a demo with, with only four, four characters, uh, Mario, Fox, Samus, and Donkey Kong. Uh, and then they ended up showing it to the president of Nintendo at the time. Uh, and they were they were actually super impressed with it, and so they ended up getting permission to use Nintendo's characters. Yeah, it's, uh, maybe there's a lesson there. Uh, yeah. If you if you get told no, just go ahead and do it anyway. Just uh, just make sure you do it well. I think that's a that's a great lesson to uh, you know. That's the takeaway you should get. get. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this leads us to Super Smash Bros. N64, uh, which I think I think we were we were definitely hinting at there. So this. Dragon King got rolled right into Super Smash Bros. Um, Dragon King as a concept was there, but it went away. And they, using the N Nintendo characters, um, they pushed it right into a game. So they used the N64's unique joystick, uh, for, which, which kind of allowed you to like flick and, and roll and move around a bit, where analog joysticks weren't quite uh, able to do that. So this game had 12 original characters. Uh, with four of those twelve being unlockable, definitely you know some Nintendo Nintendo icons in there. Uh, it was originally released in Japan uh, because they thought it would be a small kind of niche game, uh, but they sold a million copies pretty quickly, uh, and so they ended up moving it internationally and mainly you know to America. Uh, the health percentage that's used in Smash Bros was extremely unique. No other fighting game had that, you know. It was all yeah, about a health bar that you difference. had to tear down and then kill someone or get a KO, uh, where the percentage system was super unique for building up percentage, which allowed for you know uh, more displacement after hits. Yeah, it kind of gets more exciting and more frantic uh, as your damage starts building, so you start flying farther and farther. And um, absolutely, but it also you know throws in some variability, right? Because for a health bar, it's like oh, you have zero health, you're dead. But, True. you know, in Smash Bros, you can have, you know, 200%. And as long as you're, you know, using your DI or whatever, you, you, you can totally live. Yeah, exactly. And so I was, I was thinking about uh, 
some of the other things i guess that made it unique as a fighting game and you you've touched on one of them a couple times like the joystick uh letting them flick and that kind of thing so having like tilt attacks instead of smash and you know like that range of right right normal is was pretty different and uh uh, I guess it's a, a focus. They shifted the focus away from button combos. Like that's any arcade fighting game I've played. It's it's like you've got to have you know Soul Calibur is that way, Street Fighter is that way. There's like these button combos to do special attacks. And Nintendo was like, no, you just, you just press B, and you yeah. get your specials. You know, yeah, that was that was definitely unique. And that's you know they're trying to appeal to the to the more casual gamer there. You know, definitely. Much appreciated so, on my part because I was always garbage at those button combos. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Never, never really played, you know, Street Fighter or you know, Mortal Kombat or anything like that. I mean, they were a little before my time, you know, but but I never got into them. It wasn't the button combo thing wasn't wasn't for me. So Super Smash Bros. N sixty four. I mean, I remember our Christmas. I I think it was Christmas of 2000. I think we got it, you know, our N64. Yeah, that sounds right. Almost a whole year later. Uh, This was the first video game I'd ever really played. Uh, And I remember just sitting, spending hours in front of the TV, just, you know, playing this game. And and it was obviously with you, you know? Yeah, I think we, we, it seemed like if I remember our settings, right, we would do like some crazy high number of lives. Like it would be like 17 or 18 lives. So the games would take forever, and then we would like play against like a level three Mario or like Pikachu <laughs> computer or something like that. So like maybe not the most exciting way to play, but we had a blast. Yeah, I mean when you're you know four years old or five years old, you know you take what you can get, man. Yeah, it was it was great. Not quite up to maybe you know where they're at competitively now, but uh, it was it was fun. And you know that was kind of one of the main points of the game is being able to appeal to the you know five year old kid versus the you know twenty three year old college kid. Yeah, the the entry difficulty is pretty small, uh, and then if you want to like practice and improve, like there is a pretty high skill ceiling, but the basics are easy to grasp. Absolutely, and the, I think you touched on it definitely with uh, avoiding the button combos and just having you know really two main attack buttons that you can you can vary as much as you want yeah and you you modify them the same way right like an up attack you know it kind of all makes sense like your up special is usually uh like some type of recovery or upwards oriented attack and and so so it's all and it transfers between characters so it's all very easy to keep straight in your head absolutely yeah Uh, and, and those mechanics are kind of what make the game so replayable even though there's not, you know, those those large button combos, uh, the amount of different variances that you can do with that same move, you know, by combining it with, with different jumps or different recoveries or, you know, different dodges or, you know, whatever it happens to be, it's, it's a, you know, very diverse way to use such a small focus set of buttons. And that's actually something else I just thought of, uh, and I could be wrong on this, but I don't, uh, the aerial game, is very much a part of Smash Brothers, and I don't think that was a big focus of a lot of other fighting games. Absolutely, yeah, I I don't think so either. I think jumping was more used as like a, a evasion or de- defensive. Yeah, you could like jump point. over the low attacks or something yeah. like that. Like it was very limited. Right. Yeah, we're in Smash Bros. Like 
aerials are incredibly important, you know, whether it's on ledge guarding or, or, you know, you do the, the half jump and you're using aerials to, to get over something and then hit someone, you know, it's right. Yeah, it's I'd like important. probably 50% of the game time oh, absolutely. Is, is in the air. Like if not more, there's, yeah. a, there's a good chunk. So, uh, after, after in 99 smash bros in 64, uh, we're moving into probably one of the most famous and definitely the longest lasting smash bros game. Um, so in 2001, Super Smash Bros. Melee was released. Uh, and this is just, you know, two years after the original, which for a developmental cycle for, you know, a game on this scale is, I mean, that, that, that's a pretty short time if we're, if we're being real. Yeah, that number kind of blew me away. Like, I didn't realize they were that close together. And that yeah, seems crazy. Yeah, we, we got it a little bit late, too. So having Melee be, like, right on top of it was, was quick. Well, what I, yeah, and I kind of what I remember happening is, so like we had the 64, and then we moved to Atlanta, and like we went, it was, uh, you know, went to a friend's house, and he had like the GameCube and Smash Brothers Melee, and it was like, oh, what is this? Like, this is totally different than like what we were yeah. at home. I didn't even know there was a new one out, you know? Right. Uh, I mean, talk about, it, it, it is a completely different game, uh, that's for sure. So the N64 version, uh, they actually had to tone down the graphics a little bit uh, to, to try to keep a higher frame rate that's necessary in fighting games. Which so we... I appreciate, actually, because oh, absolutely. Uh, you can now play it on your phone. Um, yes. I remember in college, I had like this Samsung Galaxy S2, and I could play Smash Bros. 64 on my phone at 60 frames per second. So yeah. It was like not graphics intensive at all. It was awesome. The emulator games for it yeah. are, are pretty fantastic. So Sakurai described the the development time, you know, which on that short short period, uh, as as being awful. Um, he he quoted he's quoted as saying he lived a destructive lifestyle. Uh, he would take you know extremely extremely short weekends, uh, and he'd take no time off uh, during thirteen months of work, uh, working extremely long hours to try to make this game, uh, you know, really what it is today. And he was he was really trying to make this something that he could be proud of and something that he thought was a very good game uh, that, that really hit all facets of, you know, what a fighting game was supposed to be. So it was revealed at E3 uh, in 2001. Uh, it was one of the first games released on the GameCube, uh, which was another reason, you know, he was trying to make it so good. Is this going to be, you know, one of the launch titles? Which right. Was, yeah. Know, Those are always important. important. Yeah. That's what they did wrong with the Wii U. In my opinion, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. We might have to, you know, touch on that. Yeah, that's you know, that's coming episode. up. I, I don't want to <laughs> jump ahead. Uh, so melee had got a ton of hype uh, on on its release trailer. Um, so it, it was revealed at E3 uh, in 2001, and the trailer that they showed with it got so much hype. Uh, it had great you know, graphics, it was this amazing visual display, you know, Nintendo paired with um, a couple actually, you know, anime and movie production groups to, uh, to, to put it out. Uh, oh, to it, get the really cool poses and sword slashes. And... Absolutely. And if, if you watch, you know, Melee, that intro video now, you know, it's, 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 you know, a, a different cut, but pretty much that same video. And it's, it's pretty awesome. It, it'll still get you hyped to play. So it's very uh, anime. For sure. Oh, absolutely. 
so they kind of highlighted their attention to detail and physics, uh, and that's kind of what they showcased as making this game different, uh, especially from a lot of other fighting games. Uh, it was going to be very, very, you know, related to to the physics and how moving and, and falling and all that kind of stuff uh, was very real. Um, and this was a huge, huge leap uh, from the N64 version to Melee, uh, where N64 version did definitely did not have this attention to detail or or the physics and and no, how 64 that relates. is very floaty absolutely yeah and that's that's definitely a really good way to describe it is the the floatiness of it so they expanded the character roster uh to 26 characters uh and 14 of these were new uh if you include chic um which was basically a uh, a secondary one of the moves of another character sure um, and then in this game, they kind of highlighted the logo a little bit more. So I thought we'd kind of touch on why that exists. It's it's a circle with a cross running through it. Um, so the cross represents crossovers uh, from all these different characters coming into you know one game, and then it's divided into the four sections, which was four four players. Um, Sakurai actually wanted to be able to get eight players uh, in this but was unable to because the GameCube and its hardware couldn't quite handle it. So do you think they would have changed the logo? Would there have been eight sections? I What would I'd that have, have even assume, looked like? I don't yeah. know. I'd have to assume that's on their mind because you know, they cited the, the cross and the four sections as being R- for four right. players. So I don't know. But now, I mean, you look at the new games and you know, they haven't changed it. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess once it's, like, established... Yeah, that's true, that's true. You can't mix it up. But, yeah, I wonder if, like, when they were formalizing it, if that was something that, that could have happened. Right. So, Sakurai... Uh, and, and this is definitely important to Melee. Sakurai said that he never wanted Smash Bros. to be a competitive or a hardcore game. Um, it was supposed to be, like, an entry-level fighter game, get everyone excited about video games and fighting games... Uh, and just you know, really be for everyone. Uh, and he, he he talks about how uh, one time he was at an arcade playing, um, I think it was Street Fighter, uh, and he he didn't look at who he was playing uh, because it was on the other side of the cabinet, uh, and they weren't very good. And he just you know pulled out this sick combo and just crushed them. And then he he looks at the other side of the cabinet, and it's uh, you know a young girl with her boyfriend. Um, and she obviously really hadn't played at all. Right. Uh, and then, you know, the boyfriend hops on and he crushes the boyfriend too. And, and he talks about how, you know, oh, I shouldn't have done that. It was just someone trying to enjoy video games and learn about them and get, get introduced to them. Um, and that's kind of where he takes his direction of wanting his games, especially Smash Bros, to be for everyone. He's not trying to crush anyone's dreams. He's not trying to, you know, ruin anyone. Right and make them not play a fighting game ever again it's supposed to be it's supposed to be fun at its heart and i will say so from my experience at melee tournaments and it really really any smash tournament i've been to uh is very similar to uh the young couple in that (laughs) arcade booth (laughs) you know i i I think i think what's really interesting and and we definitely get into this with melee right is there's so many different levels of skill um, and, and melee lends itself to that for a lot of different reasons. But you can be just playing with your group of friends, and you can be, you know, the best guy, which I I, I think definitely like relates to to you. You know, most of the time when we're playing with friends or whatever, 
you know, you're you're winning. Yeah, the, the we, vast my friends around here, right? Yeah, but then but then you know you take it to you know at college, you're, there's there's melee tournaments and stuff like that, and you're just getting smashed by this guy who just clearly has a better grasp of what to do than you. And, you know, right. you thought you you were good or whatever, but not anymore. They're like nine levels above you. Absolutely. Um, like I, this is not an exaggeration. I didn't take a stock when I went. I went to Big House a couple of years ago, and literally did not take a stock off someone any of the games I played. <laughs> I mean, when when you get into you know the hard mechanics, which I think we'll talk about a little bit later with melee, like you know dash dancing, wave dashing, L canceling, you know all that kind of stuff. Yeah. If you don't know that, like competing is near impossible, and it's not obvious like if you're just watching it and you don't know those things exist right i don't like i i I don't pick up on that i just know that they're moving fast like they're they're just hitting me faster and like than i would they've got more coordination than i than i have or whatever yeah and and i I, you know i think it's incredibly undersold that melee is still an extremely popular fighting game we're talking about a game that was released in 2001 that today, uh, in, in 2018, at the end of the year, EVO 2018, which is a fighting tournament, fighting game tournament, uh, Melee just broke its record for most most submittals, most entrants. So, which, I mean, yeah, yeah no, no other game is doing that. You know, what, 17 years after its release, breaking records for people still playing it? That's, what that's crazy. What series is 17 years old, you know, that people, like still go to tournaments for and that kind of thing like like i guess like starcraft has a has a decent scene yeah and, and uh, you know there's some for like street fighter or tekken or well but are they that big you know I, like i i think smash bros still is is one of the biggest scenes i i guess maybe like is csgo about that old like maybe yeah, that's CSGO is yeah yeah definitely but those are really oh, yeah. the only ones i can think of like like halo's come and gone um a lot of those MLG type games Absolutely. changed over, and Smash Smash definitely had you know some adversity that all those other games didn't either through the MLG scene and and going through that, which I I think we'll get into a little bit more later when we really kind of take a little bit of a dive into the professional scene. Sure. So uh, we'll we'll move on to Super Smash Brothers Brawl, uh, and this is a this is a pretty polarizing title, you know. I mean. I, I enjoyed it a lot. This is one of the, probably one of the Smash games that I have played the most. Uh, partly because just, you know, where it fell into at, you know, the time in my life. Right. Um, but yeah, also we're in the just, same boat. Yeah, it was just a fun game, too. You know, it was a new Smash Bros. Um, and it, it takes it takes a bit of a, a lash from certain communities. But, you know, it was Smash Bros. And it was new, and it had new characters, and it was a good time playing it. Yeah, I'll say like now it's probably my least favorite one to play, um, but at the time, yeah, I was super excited about it. The inclusion of online play was like a big selling factor. Like when I, you know, was looking forward to it, all the new characters and items, and yeah, absolutely. And that's that's actually super important to why it was announced. So that inclusion of online play, uh, Brawl was announced by Iwata. Uh, at E3 in 2005, before even asking the main mind, and really the guy who is, is the driving force behind Smash Bros. Sakurai, uh, if 
if they were going to release a new one. Uh, and this was done because uh, really Nintendo was pushing online play. And so uh, Iwata said... So he said, learned from, from his previous example. Like he right. asked and was rejected. This time he was like, we're just going to do it. We're going to tell people. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, uh, so he was like, yep, we're, we're doing new Smash Bros. And it's going to have online play. Um, and so later they kind of revealed that, yeah, you know, we announced it before we asked Sakurai. We, we didn't really, you know, have plans to do it. Uh, and that meant that, like, if Sakurai didn't agree, they were just going to have to port Melee over to, <laughs> over to the Wii and just toss online capability on it somehow. Which I that would have been an interesting development, right? Imagine if imagine if that continued and how the melee scene would have reacted to that. Yeah, oh, that would but, have been nuts. Yeah, they did. They did produce a new one. Uh, Sakurai agree. Uh, it was nicknamed Project Revolution, um, and you know that's kind of how Brawl was Brawl was born. Um, it it did have a very interesting. Uh, developmental process. Uh, they they gave a ton of insight into it on what was called Smash Bros. Dojo. So Sakurai would would post these screenshots, videos, and kind of updates of the whole developmental process that gave people a ton of insight into it, which was which was pretty cool if you were following along with that. You know, but he also had to be secretive of it and try not to reveal too many of the characters and all that kind of stuff. Um, it was delayed from the holiday season in 2007 uh, to early 2008. And so to make up for the delay, or a lot of people think uh, the delay was possibly caused by adding the last character, which was Sonic the Hedgehog. And that, so was, this... a, that was big news. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I remember that being like the true worlds collide here. You've got Nintendo and Sega. Yeah, which, you know, going back to the history of Nintendo and Sega, like... Sonic was the antithesis to Mario. You know, right. he was that that cool dude, you know, like with a sassy attitude and, and, and really hitting on Nintendo. So the fact that he was being added to the game was massive. And so and that was kind of like the first time that you, you see them starting to expand beyond just like the core group of Nintendo characters, I feel like. Absolutely. And adding, you know, Snake, uh, which... Not right. even a Nintendo character. We're talking like total third party released on other consoles. And very so, different feel. Yeah. Absolutely. Snake, Sonic. Yeah. So so Brawl was a big breakout game in terms of like who can be in Smash Brothers. Right. Uh, and this this was for a total of thirty five characters, uh, with fifteen new and five old characters left out. Um, so Brawl also tossed in a mechanic uh, that still exists. Uh it was actually planned to be on the original uh, N64 version, uh, which are smash attacks. Um, they, the, the big on the brawl N64, Yeah. On N64, they uh, actually went as far to record voices uh, for all of the characters having smash attacks, uh, but then it just kind of never got added. Um, brawl did not take off strongly with the... Uh, professional scene a couple a couple of the famous guys got into it for a little bit and then just after like a month or two they all kind of sided were sided as saying just like ah like i'm not enjoying it like it's not fun it's slow i can't i can't enjoy this so that definitely definitely put a damper on on it post-release the fact that some of the biggest you know names and voices in smash were saying "Mm, this isn't a very great game no i mean if there's that trip mechanic 
Yeah. Any, any kind of RNG element. It's like like the competitive melee compute, uh, community was all about like no items, final destination, right? Like take all the RNG out of it. Uh, Absolutely. And then brawl, like you have at least one element, like by default. Right. Nothing you can do about that. And that was, you know, uh, personally, that was so frustrating for me. You know, it it there's a one in twenty chance of every time you move that you will trip. And basically, it's just a small delay where, like, your character has to stand up and you can't do anything. Yeah. And you can't turn it off. You know, it's not like you can't get around it in any way. Um, so, you know, I, I remember playing and, like, oh, I'd be, you know, I, I feel like I was starting up a, a good combo. I'd get a couple hits, maybe, you know, be able to land a smash attack and all of a sudden trip. And everything I did was ruined and or I'd get killed. You know, I'd lose a stock. It was it was definitely a, a rather frustrating mechanic, even if you're a casual player just trying to be competitive, right. you know? It's so... It, it's like, I didn't realize it was 1 in 20. That's, like, incredibly common. Yes. That will yeah. happen multiple times yeah. a game. Yeah. Tripping is... Yeah, it, it, it's brutal, man. So, the, the fact that it didn't, you know, take off super strongly led to what we... I guess we can call the next the next game yeah, really, unofficially yeah it's it's just a mod it's called project m um and it was a mod on super smash brothers brawl uh to make it essentially way more like melee um so the fact that you know it, this is people from uh like 10 different countries coming together uh to to program this game uh and, and really just shows kind of you know how how awesome the smash bros community is is you know, there's this new game, wasn't quite up to our expectations, well, we'll make it our own, you know, we'll mod it, right. we'll make it better, and we'll make it something we can play. They wanted to play with all the new toys, right, all the new characters and stuff. Absolutely. This... Uh, and oh, it was ahead. modded to be, like, way more balanced, you know, um, they, they wanted it to be a competitive game, you know, they got rid of the tripping, uh, they made it much faster and much more like a fighting game typically is. Uh, and really, they did it because Brawl wasn't competitive and people weren't playing it as much. This is the first game that I tried to play. I, I mean, I never tried to like go competitive, but like our friend group, Finn group at the time, and everything. Like, this is where we were playing like on Final Destination and like trying to get those L cancels and like this. That was the first time I paid attention to those mechanics. Absolutely, yeah. This, you know, this kind of hit at a time where I saw video games as a little bit more competitive. I was older, and you know, I kind of saw the value in that and trying to, you know, doing entering tournaments or you know whatever Smash Fridays or Smash Thursdays or you know whatever it happened to be or, uh, you know, running through a crew battle or you know whatever it happened to be. But yeah, I mean, this this definitely brought some some more seriousness to the game. So Nintendo never publicly disavowed the mod. You know, they didn't come out and say uh, anything explicitly against it. Uh, but they, they did prevent any, uh, you know, professional event from hosting Project M. Uh, any professional tourneys were never allowed. Um, technically, Project M existing and how you have to get it onto your console is illegal. Um, so I think that definitely has a lot to do with it. Um, so Project M was more of a kind of a back alley shady game, um, which honestly is definitely kind of what I thought about it. 
when uh, you first introduced me to it. You know, you had to you had to download it on an SD card, and then right. you actually access it through Brawl itself. The disc has to be plugged in, and you go to the Stage Builder menu selection to get to it. Yeah, least, it was like I don't know. It you felt like you were the hacker man, like from a Hollywood movie, right? Right. It was it, it was crazy. That, you know, black page of scrolling text. And yeah, it was it was uh, unique to experience it for the first time. But honestly, such a great game. Uh, had a ton of fun playing it. So uh, the last update for Project M, you know, because there were constant, you know, patches or whatever to make it more balanced, uh, was in December 2015. Uh, and it was its last version was 3.6. Um, kind of, basically all the creators said, it's reached its potential. We enjoyed it. Time to move on. And they all kind of disbanded. Yeah. Which, and I guess, you know, part of that probably was because it never could be played at a really highly organized competitive level. Absolutely. Um, that it, you know, it was time to move on. Yeah. W- without it ever being able to be viable in tournaments or anything like that, they definitely decided to, to move on from it. And now we did leave off maybe the most important version of Project M came before 3.6. <laughs> uh, and that is Project Meme. If you're not familiar with that, you can. I think, I'm sure you can still find it and download. Uh, and it's essentially like a patch for Project M. So it works the same way. It, it You boot up Brawl and do all that. But whereas like Project M was intended to be this highly competitive and balanced gameplay experience, Project Meme is like uh, pure chaos. The most so, broken game you can imagine. Yeah, like it doesn't really work entirely well, uh, but it's got all these cool things like the character select screen theme uh, is John Cena's walk-up song, you know, <laughs> and like you can play like as Vegeta and this talking anime head, and there's like this version of Mr. Game and Stop, and I forget what they called it, but it was like it was like the end. Or something yeah. like that, and you yeah. would if you like mashed your special button, like the game would start to warp. I don't know. It was a crazy game. Uh, we had it's, a good time playing that one as well. It's definitely a laugh at a party. Uh, don't expect you know a Super Smash Brothers experience, uh, but but it, it was a good time. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, now now we're starting to move into the next the next game in 2014. So uh, a little bit before Project M ended. Uh, but this was definitely uh, a reason that Project M kind of stopped. Uh, Super Smash Bros. 4. Um, it was announced really early again uh, at E3 in 2011. Uh, they decided to put it not only on Wii U, which was their new console that they were releasing, uh, which is, again, why they're releasing the new Smash Bros., but on the 3DS as well. So moving to a portable system. Um, and, and they wanted it to be the same game, uh, which definitely led to some issues because, you know, 3DS compared to Wii U, much, much underpowered system, you know, uh, sure. didn't have the processing power, you know, memory, anything that I needed really. Uh, so this, this was interesting in development for, you know, they were, they weren't able to include some characters like ice climbers, um, and having to separate Zelda and Sheik, uh, because the game kind of couldn't handle the fact that, you know, there were two characters, all together in one uh, on the 3DS. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't realize that was the reason they separated those characters. Yeah. Because yeah. I think most people prefer it that way, right? Like I, a lot of people would want to play one or the other, and they were right, very different. Absolutely. Yeah. 
you you'd always you know at the beginning of the game like if you wanted to play chic you know you'd you down b and then which i i mean i remember doing a ton because i was i, I love chic yeah, you would play chic like not back. zelda yeah yeah which you know then now you're out of down b you don't have a counter you know anything like that so this this set of games included the first smash dlc which uh you know people i'm sure have mixed mixed opinions on dlc and the fact that right. they're finally making their way into smash bros yeah i mean i guess like by well so this was announced in 2011 it wasn't released until 2014 um but at, like by that point either either 2011 or 2014 like dlc is almost a given yeah it's running pretty rampant so the fact that it took that long to get into it you know i mean yeah so this game did it was, it was the first smash bros game to feature the eight player smash uh, which was which was really massive you know it i made it nuts. an even bigger party game yeah that was you know revolutionary really um, we played a fair amount of that oh for sure in college yeah. i don't so know they, we didn't always have eight people but it was six to eight absolutely and what really allowed them to do that um was that they they released a controller adapter for gamecube controllers uh to allow you to hook them up to your to your wii u uh, and the GameCube controller, you know, is such such an essential part to Smash Bros. Uh, e- even you know, if you don't think you you play with it, it's you can't deny the fact that it's you know iconic in relation to Smash. It's been you know e- even for the Wii, right? You had you had the GameCube controller plugins on the top of it, and that's what sure. most people played. You know, Smash Bros. Brawl oh, on was the GameCube. Yeah, the controller. Wii remote. That was horrible. Yeah, that did not lend itself to Smash Brothers at all, or any fighting game for that matter. So, Smash Bros. 4 had 56 total characters, uh, with 19 new characters, um, which I, I think uh, the the me characters were the most reviled of those. Ugh. That or yeah. Bayonetta, man. I mean, so I think, <laughs> I, think, I think all the me characters are just banned competitively, right? Absolutely. Yeah, because uh, they were disgusting. Bayonetta, was the final DLC character. Uh, so that was that was interesting when she popped in. Actually, oh, that, so, so they had time. Of, yeah, she was one of the DLC characters. I don't think she was the final, actually. But either way, people were hating the Mii characters before they were hating Bayonetta, I guess. Right, right. Yeah. So this little, is... Oh, go ahead. A little broken, you know? Not, yeah. not much you can do about it. This is probably the game out of the series that I played the least. Uh, uh yeah i mean i i don't think either of us owned it no we, i we, n- neither of us got a wii u yeah uh and we yeah, kind we of was... alluded to this earlier uh like with gamecube like melee was basically out on launch right it was part of how they were trying to sell the system right and i didn't even know the wii u was out for like a year it was released yeah. in 2012 and then smash brothers didn't come to like 2014 and that right. was like I mean, as far as I remember, that was, like, the first flagship game. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there wasn't a Legend of Zelda. I think there was or, a Mario Kart. But, uh, um, yeah. Yeah, that's true. One Mario Kart, which, you know, they're all, for being honest, all pretty similar. You know, it's... Yeah, that's that, maybe that's not, not enough, enough to, to make drive. me buy a system. Yeah. It's not the same as, like, Pokemon on the handhelds, right? Right. Like... Yeah, or I I know it got me for the GameCube, right? Was we got that uh, Ocarina of Time re-release on it. Yeah, that yeah, was, that was that like came with it. Like you bought the yeah. GameCube and like you get this game. Yeah, that was that definitely encouraged me. 
man, because Ocarina of Time, I mean, talk about a legendary game. So Smash Bros. 4, uh, not a ton of hype about. Uh, it does actually, it, it existed in the competitive scene for a while. Uh, it, it definitely moved back towards that faster bit of gameplay, uh, brought, brought more people back into the new Smash uh, with all those new characters. Um, and then we're moving into 2018. So pretty recent release, uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Um, I don't know about you, but I was pretty hyped for this game. Uh, you know, they, they talked about kind of moving a bit more back towards the melee style, but adding new characters and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it got me, it got me hyped for it. Yeah, I was excited about it for a bunch of reasons. And I, I don't know how much information was available online about it and how much they were teasing or anything like that uh f i wasn't really you know paying attention or staying up with it i was like a foregone conclusion like i'm just gonna buy it and i'll be surprised and i i really don't have a lot of like i don't have any complaints about it like i think it's a pretty good mix of um, absolutely it, it's not a melee clone but no, everything feels not. pretty Which... tight and you know the characters seem reasonably balanced and it's fast. It, I, yeah, I've been very impressed with like the mechanics of that game. Absolutely, and I, you know, that was a worry for a little while. You know, they they revealed it at E3 in 2018, and then there were rumors about it earlier, and they they were talking about uh, is it just going to be like a like a melee port or a you know Smash Bros. Four port? Is it not going to be you know a new game? I think that so like a melee port like would probably have some hype around it. Oh, I think if sure. they just like ported Smash Four, though, like that probably would have been the worst. Yes, I don't even. Absolutely. I maybe wouldn't have even bought that. Not because I dislike the game, but because it's like it's it was out for four years and I hadn't really played it. So yeah, and like I have Melee. Right. So, yeah. True. Yeah. <laughs> Why do I need to go back to you know some other game? You can already play Melee online. Like people figured it out. That's how. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they, they actually only revealed it six months before the release, which was a really short time and kind of contradictory to the early, early reveals that they were doing, which kind of led to some of, the, of you know, that, that discussion before the release on, you know, what's it going to be? And uh, I, I think built up, not necessarily hype, but just interest, uh, which, which I think was good for it. Sure. I'm, I'm a favor of that kind of release schedule. I, uh, I don't want you to like announce your game three years before it gets released. Cause like, I'm not going to. I won't. I won't stay up to date. I won't try to follow. Right, and then you know that, that video or whatever you show that could not even relate to the game like at all. Well, and yeah, and if, I feel like if you let hype build for that long, like if people were waiting three years for a game to come out, like you'll never satisfy them, right? You can't Absolutely. live up to that. So the fact that it was like, oh hey, it's coming really soon, and it was like six months later, like that's pr pretty much a all positive thing from my perspective. I agree with that, yeah, for sure. So the game has 80 total fighters, 103 stages, 800 music tracks. Like we're talking, this game was was built, man. It had so much stuff in it. Um, they they do allow GameCube controller support. They they moved the GameCube adapter over to work with the Switch, uh, which was big. And this was actually something that was kind of leaked early because uh, the Switch got an update that uh, had had a little bit of code on it that people figured out allowed the GameCube controller adapter to work with it. So yeah, people knew crazy. there was going to be that GameCube controller, you know, poured over before it was announced or anything like that. So I wonder, I, I, there's obviously going to be someone who like obsessively combs through all the switch updates. Right. Um, 
I'm curious if they were like specifically looking for Smash related things or if this is just something they do like in general and then it was very obvious like as soon as you see like GameCube controller that you're like, oh, this is... I wouldn't you know, be surprised the Smash. if someone was looking for Smash stuff, but I mean, I could, you know, I, I'm sure, you know, that GameCube being compatible was a probably fairly evident little piece. So uh, the game brings back that eight person fights, uh, which, you know, it's important to have the GameCube adapter for. Uh, and I will say and- they actually like expanded on it. Um, I had some people over at my place to play Smash Brothers just a few weeks ago. Uh, and there were eight of us, but like we, none of us had like the GameCube adapter. Like not everyone had brought controllers, so like some people were using like half Switch and right. Um, and I, I think that's you know something we've talked about that uh, I thought was interesting. I I hadn't had you know run into yet because I do have the GameCube adapter, but you know the fact that uh, with with the individual Joy Cons, little Switch controllers. Uh, each one of those counts as one controller. Right. So if you're having trying to get eight people, like people are going to be, you know, having to play on half of a Switch controller, one Joy-Con. So what we ended up being able to do actually, so that controller limit is just for one system. So what we were able to do is a couple other people brought their Switch and then we like created a room. Yeah. And so like Switch 1 and Switch 2 could have the dual Joy-Con, like, we could spread out the controllers across those two. Okay. Uh, and, like, someone could play on, like, the Switch console or whatever, right? And so we were able to have all eight people play, like, even though all eight people couldn't connect all their controllers to, like, my Switch. That's um, a little workaround. Yeah, it was it was kind of cool, actually. Like, and it worked fairly well. With two, like, we didn't have any issues. Uh, at one point, we, like, added a third. Um and then we started to have like some lag or some dropout every now okay. and then. Yeah, I got you. I mean, that makes sense, you know. Yeah, but I was so impressed. That, like that made life a lot easier than I yeah. was expecting. I've uh, I've definitely enjoyed playing this game. It it definitely brings back some of that faster play style. You know, brings back some of the more complicated, uh, you know, move sets. You know, whether that's using your aerials and your tilts and all that kind of stuff. It. Uh, it it definitely definitely brings back a little bit of the fun that that I enjoyed you know in melee. Yeah, I would say there's a lot. Of, it's a pretty competitive game. There's there's a a fair uh, skill ceiling right that you can work towards and and get better at. Absolutely. So I guess we can move on to the professional scene now. This is uh, this is a pretty convoluted little area, um, but so in in ninety nine. Uh, or sorry, not 99, 2001, uh, when Melee was released. Um, they There was also a website that popped up called uh, Smashboards or Smash World Forums. Uh, it was started in 99 within 64, uh, but really, really gained popularity with the Melee scene. So it, it started out, you know, basically with people just thinking they were good and talking trash to As you o- do other on players the on there. Right, yeah. I mean, if you're on the internet, what else? And you know that—that's a theme, right? Most of these guys say like, "Oh, he was talking mad trash on the internet," but he came and we crushed him, and, and he didn't say anything. So this was this is essentially, you know, people actually following up on like the fight me IRL. Yeah, yeah. Comments. So, I mean, th- yeah. So they, they <laughs> bunch bunch of you know melee nerds, right? Walking up, you know, traveling an hour or whatever to go play someone and and now they're like in real life you know so it it really started to to pick up some heat with um 
some East Coast and West Coast rivalries. Uh, so on the East Coast, uh, there was there was a couple groups of people. Uh, one called the Deadly Alliance, and the other called H2YL or Ha Ha You Lose. Uh, Classic. So H2YL were just you know a couple of high school kids, like some nerds just having fun playing melee, and like one of them, or uh, really a couple of them were really good. Um, and so they were talking trash to these other guys who were called the Deadly Alliance uh, on Smashboards. And it turns out the Deadly Alliance is, you know, some like 20-year-old guys who live in the Bronx. Huh. And so these high school nerds go out and play them. And, like, you know, they, they, they really develop a, a good scene, a little bit of a rivalry there. Um, I think that's they, important to make a good competitive scene. Oh, absolutely. Trash talking and rivalries are essential. And it's a pretty big part of the Smash community today. Oh, like for a, sure. I think a lot of modern esports are go for a more professional vibe. Like the commentators are like dressed up in suits, and it's like m- the reactions are like very reserved and like polite. Yeah, you definitely and, like, see that. Smash is like borderline unsportsmanlike. Like, oh. like it's a big deal about like popping off after like your win, and like there's yeah. rivalries and grudges and smack talk. And it's way more. Out. It feels way more real. It's kind of like the amped up. I don't. I don't want to say reality TV because that's an insult, but it's. It is very like. I don't know. It's. It's like WWE. Yeah, of oh, video sure. games. And uh, you know, part of that is is due to the fact of when the game came out, who was playing it, and kind of the culture. So like, if 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 you look at the lingo that um, they still use at like melee tournaments and stuff, uh, I mean, some people think it's pretty offensive um, and. Like they're using terms that you know nowadays uh, have a different meaning, and like you use a little bit more reserve. That back in you know early two thousands, you were just throwing out you know like sure. gay or retarded or rape or the, yeah on, like, the, on the smash boards, right? Like on the yeah. internet in two thousand two, like that was that's what totally was being ex- used. Yeah, yeah. So it it's you know definitely I think a product of the time and the fact that it was really a bunch of high school kids. You know, maybe moving into college that we're doing it. Yeah. So this East Coast rivalry uh, started, you know, getting pretty hot, and then and then you introduced the West Coast. So um, obviously, huge travel distance for high school kids who you know are playing Smash, don't have a job, not necessarily going to school, or you know, it's or not like you're school. making money from the tournament either. It's not like there's right. a reward incentive. Yeah. Uh, so this kind of started like there was a rivalry there and eventually they decided to meet up. So on the West coast, there was a guy named Matt Deasy who would host tournaments. He'd just open up his house and like, let people come and they'd like play melee all day and then just like stay at his house and then play melee more and then sleep again. And, uh, so eventually some of the East coast guys decided to, to make a trip out there. Um, and this is, this is where we introduce kind of, uh, some of the, some of the icons of original, original smash. So the West coast, uh, mainly, you know, consisted of a, a guy named Ken and a guy named Isaiah. Uh, so Ken has, you know, is, is now known as the King of smash. Uh, in, in this era, um, he won, you know, so many, so many uh, of the original tournaments and stuff, whether it was on the MLG scene or after it got uh, put out of MLG by Nintendo. 
Um, and then, and then his partner, Isaiah, who they were, they were doubles partners. So they were Kings of doubles and Ken was the singles champion. Um, so it, the, the scene really continued to grow from this, you know, grassroots start, uh, where they were starting to get at MLG. Um, it, it was a sanctioned event 2004 to 2007. Um, and then they ended up, Melee ended up getting dropped which Melee is, you know, the main, main competitive game. Um, Nintendo basically forced MLG to drop them. Uh, and so it, it, it kind of went back to its grassroots stage. So these original guys and, and a few others who were starting to pop in, up into the scene, like, you know, Mango or uh, M2K, Mewtwo King, uh, start kind of showing up. Um, and then MLG picks up Brawl, which only lasted a year. Uh, yeah, very because- short-lived. Yeah, as we talked about earlier, it was uh, uh, definitely definitely not quite the competitive game that people were hoping it would be. Uh, and so, and then we start moving over to other other fighting game tournaments like Evo. Uh, Evo picks up Melee, um, and, and so these guys are kind of you know doing just not really professional tournaments, not host or sanctioned by anyone, just kind of around the country. Uh, moving around and then in 2014 uh, mlg starts hosting melee again nintendo finally kind of gets over the okay it's going to happen whether whether we want it to or not sure Uh, do you know it was the original fear that it was gonna hurt you know sales of a newer smash or something like that or was it really like to the creators just saying like we we really didn't want this to be a competitive game like so is it there's a philosophy difference like yeah and then you know the fact that melee was still going strong they're like oh you should be playing brawl you know right we're putting out new games you should be playing those instead um so as mlg kind of starts to pick this up there's a pretty big revival melee starts play- breaking records again you know for for entrance to tournaments uh, and this is kind of where we get into the era what's called the era of five gods uh, so it's these these five guys that every tournament that at least two of them have been at one of them has won. Um, and that that has only been broken once, and that was uh, since 2014. And that was actually this most recent uh, EVO 2018, uh, where one of the five gods was beaten uh, in the in the grand finals. By uh, so the f- a god slayer, right? There's like yeah, there's like one yeah. or two guys that they, they call god slayers because like they can beat one of the gods like in a tournament. Right. So the five gods are, are Mango, Hungry Box, uh, Armada. Um, let's see here. You got Doctor PP or PPMD? Yeah, Doctor PP, who had to change his name to PPMD. Yep. Uh, and Mewtwo King. And, and only a couple of these guys are still playing at this point. Right. Yeah. Uh, a couple of them have retired, and some just kind of pop up every now and again. Uh, and then, so in 2018, they were defeated by a guy who was, you know, playing really well throughout the year, uh, named Leffen. Um, and, uh, him and another guy named Plup are really the only two that can take, take matches off of the five gods. Uh, and now with this most recent, you know, major defeat in the grand finals, they're starting to call, uh, Leffen and, and kind of Plup, uh, the God Slayers kind of moving into a new era of melee. Uh, so he's, Leffen is actually, uh, you know, a name I've heard of, obviously. 
uh, and he's sort of like the bad boy of this Smash community, <laughs> right, right? In a way, uh, there's this story, and I, I I'm gonna forget which year it is. I I, I couldn't tell you, uh, but so he's on Sportsman like, and a lot of a lot of people didn't like him, and there was a year where all these gods like shared notes on like his fighting style. They're like, let's just let's just team up and figure out how to like beat Leffen. Absolutely. And then he just got like stomped out of the tournaments for like the next two or three months because like all these people like compared notes and like had a strategy on how to beat him. <laughs> it's yeah, just I'd... it's just this hilarious like That's that... actually that's a theme you kind of see earlier on too. There's um Ken, the king of Smash originally, uh West Coast, pretty pretty cocky guy and eventually, you know, uh there was there was some some hate going on there. Um, and then one guy like w- betrayed East Coast and went West Coast. Oh uh, man! At his name uh, Chudat, and uh, so they they dropped notes that way. He, you know he wouldn't win and stuff right. like that. So that's that's definitely something you see you see throughout Smash. It's it's a brutal you know it's 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 not your normal professional gaming like these. It's hilarious. Are, it's so petty and funny. Yeah. Like when it's not happening to you, right? Like. Yeah. The idea that all these people like agree that we're just gonna beat this guy, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's you know it's definitely that you know we're still in high school kind of like this is when we grew up playing the game, still kind of their mentality, right? And so uh, I guess one other one other thing to mention with uh, this this professional melee scene that a lot of people I bet thinks pretty weird if they would ever go to one of these tournaments is uh, all of them are still played on those old CRT TV monitors. Um, so I guess kind of the reasoning behind this is on, you know, nice LED monitors, those, these really good, like flat screen TVs and all that kind of stuff. Uh, there is actually a little bit of lag with the components. Um, and so that, that tiny, you know, seven milliseconds or, or whatever it is, is so essential in melee because all of the stuff and all the movements you're doing are, are on that, that scale. You know, if you don't, if you don't hit that dodge or if you don't, uh, uh, you know, wave dash and, and get that extra, you know, five milliseconds, uh, you know, that could be the difference between you winning and losing. Um, yeah. They're, so they're, they're operating playing. on almost a frame by frame basis, you know, yeah. at the highest level. Absolutely. And, and so they still play on these old monitors. So uh, when people see it for the first time, they're like, uh, is this, you know, is this the early two thousands still? Like, what are we looking at here? It's and it's funny. Cause I feel like that's probably like, a bit of an obstacle to tournament setup, like for sure. No one makes them anymore. You got to source all these CRTs, uh, and they're heavy. Is all get out, you know. Yeah. So a lot of times, like they're playing on like a little TV. Like when you when it's in like the pool stages or whatever of the tournament, like you just play on like a 13 inch CRT. Absolutely, that was actually uh, for one of the tournaments after they picked melee back up into the professional scene. That was actually a problem. Because Nintendo said, oh, nope, uh, we aren't going to let you stream it. So uh, the the tournament canceled having Melee in there. And then after the massive backlash from the community, you know, within five hours, Nintendo was like, okay, like, yeah, I guess we'll let you stream Melee. Uh, so the tournament had to, like, they had to get together all these GameCubes and CRTs in yeah. like, a really short period of time, which is hard to do. Because, like, obviously they aren't produced anymore. And there's not, like, a ton of them just floating around. And you got to have like memory cards for all of these right that have completed saves but you have to make sure it's not like a cracked memory card with like a cheat 
you know yeah. that someone's gonna take it it's it's like a crazy organization thing i and and the fact that it's still going strong now i think is really just a you know really 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 shows well for what what the series is and what it's been doing yeah i mean the fact that people are still willing to go to all that trouble like to play this game for like the 19th year running uh yeah, is a crazy. is a positive sign yeah and it's it's like they're still developing tech for it like absolutely so i think i went to big house 2017 so it's or maybe 2016 even so it's it's been a while um but there was a newish thing going on where like with uh like the fox side b you can like you could they figured out you could actually like cancel it and like drop out of it but like at, if you depending on how you timed it like you would travel you know incremental parts of that distance so like you could cut it in half or do like only a quarter of it and this was like a thing that they'd like learned and developed since it had been picked up back up by mlg you Absolutely. know like in 2015 that's it that that's one of the really cool things about the series and uh, really melee in, in, in specific uh is the fact that you know the meta is constantly changing like someone can come in with a character that's considered low tier or not very good and, and have this new strategy and find out this new little thing and then completely change the game. And, you know, that's happened multiple times throughout its history. Yeah, well, it's, right it's now, crazy to me that that's still happening. Yeah, there is the current, you know, kind of joke theory that it'll be year 20XX uh, and, and every professional player will be playing Fox. Because um, right now, you know, he's really considered SS, very, very top tier by himself, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think anyone... Like most of the gods and a lot of and a lot of you know the other really good people who come close to that level, who play like most people play Fox. Fox and is the, in their in their staff somewhere. Yeah, and then maybe there's like another character like they'll they'll like try to counterpick or whatever. Like maybe right. Peach is like good in this matchup yeah. or something. But like god. everyone, you have to be good at Fox because sometimes that's just the best thing to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Well, I, I think uh, I think we hit on a, a lot of a lot of good points on you know probably one of our favorite game series and something that's been around pretty much my entire life. Uh, I really enjoyed you know getting to talk talk about it and uh, and we hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Yeah, thanks for listening. In.